Hello and welcome back to the Daily Royal, a podcast covering the daily events of all the European royal families. Today, we'll be talking about the speeches and COVID-19 responses from March 18th, 2020, as well as the first part of two for the history of how the royal family of Belgium came to be. Starting out with the British royal family, we had a surprise video from uh, the Duke of Cambridge um, that was part of the launch of a fundraising appeal for the National Emergency Trust, um, which is something that was created last year um, so that people of the United Kingdom can donate um, and help their fellow countrymen whenever a disaster or something happens. Um, So it was launched last year and everyone hoped that it would never be needed but of course it is um and with the outbreak of covid19 um it is needed right now um so that is really great it was a pretty reassuring message from william it was pretty short um but it was great and if you live in the united kingdom um i hope that you will consider donating to the national emergency trust coronavirus appeal Um, to help out your fellow countrymen. Um, And then there was nothing new in Belgium, Denmark, the Netherlands, or Norway, so we are going to skip those countries and move right on to Spain. Spain, uh, King Felipe started his day, um, actually it was this afternoon, by chairing a meeting with the president of Spain and the whole entire um, coronavirus technical management committee, which includes the ministers of defense, health, and others, um, where they reviewed the latest information on the pandemic and the steps that are being taken during Spain's state of emergency. Um, So the Spanish people are pretty much on lockdown, you're allowed to leave your house um, to go to work and anything else that you may absolutely need to do, but only um, you can't travel in groups or even groups of two. Um, Everyone is kind of isolated in their apartments right now. Um, So they were addressing all the steps that are being taken there and what the healthcare system's responses are and how the healthcare system is faring during this intense time Um, and then later this evening um, so at nine o'clock local Madrid time uh, 9 p.m. the king addressed his countrymen um, where he like other heads of state thanked the healthcare professionals and the healthcare system for all of their tireless work um, during this crisis Um, and then he also had his words of encouragement Um, which were, um, we have to resist, we have to endure, and we have to adapt our ways of life and our behaviors to the instructions of our authorities. 
um, which is really, you know, again, Spain is kind of in a shelter-in-place situation, um, so he was encouraging the Spaniards to really follow those. Um, and then at the very end, he also said, and I, I found this comforting, um, he also said, this virus will not defeat us. On the contrary, it will make us stronger as a society, a more committed, more caring, and more united society. A society that stays strong against adversity. Um, so that is a really good um, speech from him. Um, and that is what was going on in Spain today. Um, so we are now going to move on to Sweden. This morning, King Carl Gustav presided over an extra Council of State meeting um, that was focused solely on the spread of coronavirus in Sweden. Um, so he was originally supposed to attend with Crown Princess Victoria, but the two of them are not um, doing engagements together at the moment, um, just to make sure that if something were to happen, um, the line of succession is, is all good, um, which is such a, such a terrible thought. Um, but <laughs> that's where that is. Um, so he started by giving his, uh, speech. It was like two minutes, three minutes, um, where he, like everybody else, uh, talked about the importance of sticking with the challenging directions that governments are giving, um, and just making sure that, that, that this stops spreading. Um, and then he also talked about how, while this is a serious moment, he is able to find hope um, in the collectiveness of the Swedish people. Um, so a very similar message from the King of Sweden and the King of Spain on how their country, um, countrymen are coming together uh, during this really strange time. Um, and also just like good words of encouragement for like, yeah, this is terrible, but like do what you need to do to make sure that this doesn't spread and we can all um, kind of resume normal life, hopefully, eventually, unsure of when. Um, so that is all for the actual daily royal rundown. Um, and we are now going to move on to the history lesson for the day, which is the first part of how the Belgian royal family came into being. American rebels pour tea into a harbor. The French rebels killed a king. And the Belgians, well, they had the night at the opera. These are all the moments in which the cause becomes bigger than a few rebels here and there. And this is what starts a revolution. Belgium was a part of the United Kingdom of the Netherlands, but the northern and southern parts of the kingdom were becoming very, very different. The north had been reformed to Dutch Protestantism, while the south stayed Catholic. Trades of goods weren't coming to the south, but instead going to the north in the port of Amsterdam. And also, they just weren't very well represented in the governing body. Um, their king, King William I of the Netherlands, was from the north. His, res his residence was in the north, and he ignored the cries of his people in the south for more autonomy. While the crown prince, 
lived in Brussels. He was not very popular among the main, among the regular people. And then finally, when a linguistic reform was put into place for the national language to become Dutch, the French-speaking upper and middle class of the South were not pleased. And so, on the 25th of August of 1830 was a night at the opera, where people were catching the, the opera Mute Girl of Portici, and the second act has a song all about nationalism called Love of the Fatherland. And the people poured into the streets and started protesting the influence of the Netherlands. Less than two months later, the Belgians had declared independence on October 4th of 1830. In November of 1830, the National Congress of Belgium was created to build a constitution. Seriously, writing a constitution has got to be so hard. I can't even imagine. Um, the Congress decided that they were going to create a constitutional monarchy. But how do you pick who's going to be your king? Do you choose from the family that had just ruled over you? Definitely not. You consider the French, but the British have a problem with that. So instead, you pick the man who just recently turned down the throne of Greece. Because, well, he has good connections. I have so many questions about this. Like, how do you pick someone out of thin air to become your king? So much to explore. <laughs> Leopold I was chosen because of his diplomatic connections. He's the uncle to Queen Victoria. He has some good family relations. He also had other diplomatic connections to all the royal households as his siblings were married into most of them. He also made a home in Great Britain and didn't have any territorial ambitions, meaning he wasn't going to take over Belgium for the French or for the Dutch or for the United Kingdom. He was going to let Belgium be Belgium. So on July 21st, 1831, Leopold took his oath. And this is the day that is celebrated annually as Belgian as Belgium's National Day. Leopold I's reign was marked in conflict and economic challenges as any new country is bound to go through. First, there was a 10-day campaign by the Dutch army, which was almost too much for the new small Belgian army to handle. This continued for eight years of on and off conflict until um, 1839 when the Treaty of London was signed and the Dutch began to recognize that Belgium was an independent and their own country. During the same time and for much longer, Belgium experienced an economic crisis due to not being a trade partner with any other countries and having a lot of challenges on trade. Nothing was coming in, there was no money to be made. Leopold as king married Louise Marie of Orleans uh, who is the daughter of a French king, and they had four children, the oldest of whom sadly died in infancy, and the second child, also named Leopold, was the heir apparent, heir presumptive to the king. Also, he's just the epitome of a slime ball. Um, so we'll talk more about Leopold II tomorrow. Um, and that is it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I know things are weird. I hope everyone is doing okay. Um, during this really strange time that we are all living in. Um, but I will be back tomorrow with events um, and the rest of the Belgian history. Um, um, but yeah, I will talk to you guys all tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.